on, Mia Paulus here with the Simplicity in Business and Life podcast. Today, we're going to talk about 10 ways uh, to not make, what, are that, what is it? Hold on. 10 ways to avoid financial mistakes in business. See, I'm all flustered because I'm going to talk about all of my mistakes I've made in business. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You can bask in all of my failures and uh, hopefully learn a thing or two about it. So with that said, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> No, it doesn't have to be so hard No, it doesn't have to be so hard Business in life made simple All right, so today we're going to talk about 10 ways to avoid financial mistakes. And I didn't just go and research before this podcast and try to figure out what everybody else said about financial mistakes. I went into my own journey my own history, my own experiences, my own pains, um, and everything, and jotted down 10 things that I know I've experienced for the last 15 years of being an entrepreneur. And that is what I want to share with you today. So I'm going to make a disclaimer first. So I'm uh, an accountant. That's what my background's in, but I'm not a CPA. I have a degree in finance, but I'm not a financial advisor. I am an entrepreneur that loves business and has learned a thing or two over the past 15 years. And I'm hoping that you can walk away with just even one or two things that you can can uh, use it as a precaution or implement in your life and in your business. And so with that said, let's go ahead and just, I'm just going to go down the list of the 10 things that I jotted down based on my past experience and hopefully you can learn from. So the first one is to spend less on learning curves when in a foundation and growth phase. So I like to group business phases into three different phases. I know a lot of people, there's like five different phases people do, but I, I look at business as a foundation phase. Uh, a growth phase, and then a momentum phase. Um, a lot of the ones that have five different levels, the last one is a mature phase. And I've never liked that because I feel like you should always be in or out of momentum. And so when you're in those foundation and growth phases, you're still trying to figure out a lot and not until you're growing, are you able to really get all the process and just the rhythm that needs to happen. And so if you're hiring people that maybe don't have the skill sets to do something and you think you can learn and train them or you can get them learn it, it just halts the momentum. It halts that the ability to just grow and grow faster. So if you can at least hire somebody that has a skill set, and I know this is a hard in and of itself to know if people have the skill sets they say they do, um, but the more you can try to hire for those skill sets and that way they can just run and go with it, that way it takes the pressure off you and you can actually be at the helm of the business and really focus on the vision and, and getting the business moving forward. That's ideal. I know a lot of times in the early phases, it's hard because you're like, ah, I don't have the money. And so you, you hire the least expensive person out there, even though you know, even though you don't know really how to do the work that they need to do. And so just keep that in mind. Or there's great outsourcing companies. Obviously, I talk a lot about outsourcing in my podcast um, and, and have people that can specialize in certain skills through an outsourcing company. So whether you hire in-house or whether you use an outsourcing company, make sure that they, they know what they're doing and they can get the job done. I know it's, I know that's oversimplifying it because sometimes you don't know until they're in it, how it's going to happen. Um, but that will lead me to another one where, um, that's another tip I'll get to here in a minute. So, all right, that's, so that's number one. Number two is, uh, be willing to spend money to leverage your time. And I actually did a, a, a live and a podcast on this on Tuesday. So you can look at my last episode and, uh, and I talked a lot about leveraging time. So I won't spend a lot of time on this one today. But really, if, if you can spend money to leverage your time, that is how you're going to get further faster. That is how you're going to be able to um, 
really create that momentum in your business. I meet with so many business owners and they, they struggle spending money and, and making that investment. And, um, I was always, I don't know, I guess I was willing to spend money, but I also spent money in a lot of the wrong places. So just be smart, but be willing to spend money, but be smart with where your money is spent. So, but the only way to really build true wealth the quickest is that how fast you can leverage your time. The only way to leverage your time is really by paying for that time. So um, that's number two. All right, number three, shiny object syndrome and giving away your services for free. <laughs> this is one that I struggle with for way too long uh, because we have such a desirable business. Like we have full admin teams and and marketing teams and all these different teams that can help business owners. So people would come to me like, hey, I have this great idea. And uh, in, in exchange, I'm pretty much using my resources for free in exchange for this shiny object that they showed me that was going to close and was this great thing. And and uh, and then it never it fell through and it didn't work. And um, I still remember being like nine months pregnant, like literally like about to have a baby any day. And I'm the one building out this big proposal and putting all the work in, even though it was really for somebody else trying to get the work. So I'm investing my employees and investing my my uh, my time and and then for something that might never pan out. And um, and so you just want to be cautious of those. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take advantage of opportunities if it feels like the right thing. But so often, I think as entrepreneurs, we get too many things going and we're and we think that this is the next thing and this is the next thing. And then we get spread so thin that we don't focus on getting what we need done as our foundation. Uh, so that's a big one that I had to learn. And uh, so, no, you probably can't come to me and be like, hey, I have this great idea. Could you give me your resources for free? I learned a, a thing or two about that over the years where, you know, you want you want it to be a win win both ways. You want people to value what you're doing and um, and then also reward people that have great opportunities that are making it possible. So. All right. The next one is number four. So keeping unproductive employees too long. Um, I can't tell you how many times over the last 15 years I've got, we've gotten really good at it now, but you know, you keep employees too long that aren't productive and, and, um, we're virtual. We've been virtual for about five years now. And, and, um, it's really easy now to spot if people aren't productive or not, because all you have on your virtual is communication, honesty, and productivity to go off of. Um, but I always didn't want to offend people. I didn't want to hurt them. And I, cause you get to know them, you know what their families are like. And, but then the day you have, you can't, if they're going to sink the ship, like they're going to, they're going to take the whole business down because they're not producing and productive. Like it doesn't serve the other employees and it's not serving the people you're serving through your business. And, um, and I also feel like it's not serving that employee that's unproductive because the only way they're going to learn is by either finding a different job. Maybe they're in the wrong seat. You know, they need a different job or maybe they need to learn a few things about um, really being honest with their time and what they're getting paid for. And and uh, so it's it's really better for both parties if you do it sooner rather than later. Obviously, have the discussions, give them warnings. I'm not saying um, not having that dialogue and communication with them to to grow them up and things like that. But you want to, but you really want to make sure that you don't have that, it just brings everybody down and it's going to bring the, the ship down, the, the business down with you if you keep them, if you keep unproductive um, employees for too long. And I think you could throw in toxic employees too, like ones that are kind of the everybody's best friend and a gossiper that kind of goes around and, and uh, those are, they'll sour an entire team, um, an employee like that. So you just want to be cautious of those kind of things. 
All right. Number five, uh, not being realistic about the numbers. Um, the reason why this one was so difficult for me is for a lot of years, um, I won't, there's a whole story behind this and why um, this was a pain point for me. Uh, but I ha- I'm like a very much a faith-based person. And there were times I've had to make decisions. A lot of times I've had to make decisions where I didn't know where the money was going to come from, but I had a strong feeling that I had to make that decision. And, uh, and after enough times, if you make the decision and it, it, it's okay, like meaning it was meant to happen and it all worked out financially, you start to become more of a faith-based type business versus just strictly based off data. And, um, and I'll, in a later point, I'll talk about how to wrap those two together and how to balance those two. Uh, but it's something that as a result, like you're like, well, I don't even want to look at the numbers because I know they're not good. Yeah. My business is still working. I don't know how I got from this point to this point, but I'm, we're still afloat. And so it's just something that, um, it's hard to be realistic when you know, like, I don't know where these miracles are coming from, but it happens because if I, my background's in accounting, so I know how to budget, I know how to do books, so I can be realistic with the numbers. And so it can be very hard to look at them and know that I don't know where this is going, the next paycheck is going to come. Like, these are all things that are very difficult in businesses that I think if you're a business owner, you probably have experienced at some point. Um, so just something to think about is do be realistic with the numbers, but also add in that faith-based part, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Okay, so that was number um, five. So number six is not, um, what am I trying to say here? So not all possible, but you as a founder, okay. Okay, I know what I'm trying to say. I didn't say it well in my actual notes, but uh, you want to get your first 10 customers if you're like in that foundation phase of a company where you're just getting started. If you as the founder can go out and find those first 10 customers because you are the visionary. You're the one that has the idea for the company. So if you can go out and uh, and just really figure out what it takes to, one, make sure your company, your product or service is viable, like people actually want it. But then just having those conversations, you're going to know where the gaps are in your product or service. And so if you can just dial in those first 10, then you can start to outsource or have teams and start to just take it from there. But you need to really get that foundational layer intrinsically as a founder. And so I think that's really important. And that's something I actually didn't struggle with. Um, I did spend a lot of time in that realm, but I just wanted to bring that in because that's something that I think is important um, to do and to really... And before you spend so much time on process and documentation and building a team, like go out yourself and get those first 10 customers. Um, that's where I feel like you should invest the time because you learn so much from that process. And so many people try to plan it all out before they start to sell, before they start to market. But I can tell you, like we're in a huge growth phase in our company right now. And it is the growth that's making it awesome because it's the growth forces you to do things quicker and faster and you let you you get the data because you have enough customers turning or not turning, but uh, going through the system and you're able to continue to refine your process um, quicker and, and more smoothly because you have the data to back it up. And so uh, I just think so many companies in the startup phase spend so much time getting it all documented before they even bring in their first dollar. Um, okay. Um, number seven, don't hire too soon. Again, this kind of goes back to that process and people thing where everybody get my team perfectly in and then start to market. And But sometimes you don't even know what it takes to market or how long it's going to take. So you're paying all these labor dollars while they're sitting there waiting. And I can tell you that if they're idle and, and there's a lot of bloat, meaning there's not a lot of um, 
productivity for the labor dollar paid, that that can create a bad culture pretty quickly. And it also creates an environment where when you do start to get busy, a lot of times those employees are like, oh, I have to work now. Like it's, you'd be surprised at how much you might have to cycle employees when you get from a, um, from one phase to another phase in your business. It's almost as if some employees can, can uh, level up and then there's some that don't know how to get used to that new phase. And so don't beat yourself up if you feel like there's some churn when you are changing from those different foundation to growth phases. Um, but that blow is so, uh, can be very toxic to a company. And, um, and so just be aware of not hiring too soon. Or this is again, why outsourcing is so awesome because you can scale up and down based on your needs and you're not having to hire for labor that's just sitting there while you're waiting for growth. Um, all right. Number nine, be willing to step off cliffs. Um, if it feels right in your heart and mind, um, even if it financially doesn't, I think this is important to understand because I can't tell you how many times I've had to walk off cliffs, not knowing where, where it was going to come. I just knew it was the right thing to do. And I think as entrepreneurs, um, you know, your risk tolerance, you know, what you're, you're willing to do, but, um, but the more you can lead a faith-based journey through entrepreneurship, I always tell people like faith is not just a religious term. Like that is a requirement for entrepreneurship because you have to be willing to walk off cliffs. You have to be willing to make decisions without knowing what the outcome is or knowing if you have everything dotted in an alignment. Cause you don't know until you make decisions sometimes until you see how it plays out. But I'm always, I've talked a lot about this again in my podcast about connecting your heart and your mind together and how much when you when you do that, um, that is really what can make it not seem so scary or fearful in your business. Um, okay, so the next one, number 10. So this is uh, my last one. Oh, actually, I wanted to mention one more thing on that one. So innovation and agility is like so important right now in business. You have to be willing to shift and adapt and change and be... Um, Take those leaps of faith to be like, I'm doing this product now, but I feel like I need to shift to this product because of what customers are needing. Like there's there, you have to be willing to make those adapt um, adaptations and adjustments. And uh, that requires walking off some cliffs and having a little bit of faith. And so be willing to do that, even if financially you don't, doesn't quite make sense just yet. Um, and the last one is using your, your mind or the data uh, your gut and your heart and all those elements together um, to make decisions. So I'm just kind of reiterating on the last point, but I want to kind of end it with a story today. Um, my COO is uh, Jeanette and she uh, is, uh, she's been with me, man, over a year now, maybe a year and a half. And uh, she was working for me part-time for a little while. And uh, she had it in her mind that she wanted to be full-time with us by the end of May. I think it was by May 31st. And, uh, but I had somebody else that was already kind of doing a lot of operation stuff that was full time and making the same amount that she was. And I couldn't afford to have them both on at the same time. And, uh, and I just had this impression that I was supposed to hire Jeanette full time, but I'm like, but I can't afford Jeanette full time. So why should I hire Jeanette full time? And, uh, so literally I was like, okay, so I made the offer to Jeanette to be full-time, not knowing how I was going to pay for her salary. And then two days later, after I did that, I got a resignation letter from the one that um, was on full-time. And uh, which obviously that matches they had the same salary and it, and it worked out. And the other ironic, just amazing miracle um, that happened was Jeanette had it in her mind that she wanted to be full-time with us by 
May 31st. She literally, I think, write it on a piece of paper, put it up into the universe and said, I want to be at the, with the center um, on May 31st. And she literally, her last day was May 31st at her other job. Like the two weeks was exactly May 31st. And, uh, and it was just so cool. Like those things just set people up for the miracles we see over and over and over again in our company. And, and, uh, when you start to lead with, uh, again, a faith-based perspective and, uh, and connecting your mind and heart to make decisions, uh, miracles happen. And I don't want everyone to, that's why this is not just a, here's the numbers, here's the data. And, uh, as you know, I don't, I talk a lot about this other perspective of business, which I think is rare. And you hear, if you listen to Tony Robbins a lot, he always talks about business as a spiritual game. And this is what he's talking about. Like these things are real and you, they go un, untapped and, and they get missed if you don't listen. Cause it's not a, a loud thing that says, Hey, you should do this. There's subtle things that you have to be willing to learn to listen to yourself and what you're needing. And that is where business gets really, really fun. Um, it's a lot less fearful. It's a lot less scary. And uh, that's where the momentum gets created. And um, so those are my 10 things. I'm sure I have way more, um, but I just wrote down the first 10 things I could think about of just financial mistakes I've made, things I've learned over the years. And uh, I'll just continue to give you a lot of my stories and things I've done wrong, things I've done right. And hopefully you guys can learn and grow from those. Um, so I'll uh, see you guys. Let's see. Today's Thursday. So I'll see you guys on next Tuesday for another podcast. Thanks, everyone. I will talk to you later. No, it doesn't have to be so hard. No, it doesn't have to be so hard. Business and life made simple.